This is Melody Marcus, Chief Marketing and Customer Experience Officer at ShareScripts, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of the NACDS Total Store Expo 2023, recording live from San Diego with innovators in national and microchain pharmacy. We want to thank NasoCleanse and Order Insight for sponsoring the post-show coverage of the conference this year. And now, here's part three of our three-part series with our host, CEO and founder of the PPN, Todd Yuri. With our first interview of this special series featuring the inventory specialty technologies from Order Insight. Learn more by visiting getorderinsight.com. That's getorderinsight.com. Order Insight offers technology and insights to manage, monitor, and master your prescription drug inventory. Hey, a facet of our pharmacy industry is the technology and infrastructure that we're all built upon. And I was saying to my next guest, uh, Andy Friedland, um, who is the chief revenue officer at Swiftly, that pharmacy was behind the e-commerce times uh, when e-commerce really kind of exploded into the market based on the dot-com gold rush. Nobody's old enough to remember this except for me and maybe Andy. Um, But I was in telecom and sure enough, I used to have to sell outsourced web services and e-commerce packages and some Pittsburghers didn't even know what that was. So um, this was 98 through 2003 and 2004. got into the pharmacy marketplace through long-term care pharmacy, and um, the rest is history, and and now here we are. And what's interesting about you, Andy, is your background and really understanding this from a ground and infrastructure level through your experience through Amazon. So introduce yourself to our listeners. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast coverage of the NACDS 2023 Total Store Expo. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks, Todd. It's great to meet you. You got a pretty good young quarterback out there in Pittsburgh, too, so it should be fun times for all the the, uh, Steelers fans. Kenny, Kenny. (laughs) Shout out to Kenny. (laughs) Yep, Uh, big time. Uh, So, yeah, my name is Andy Friedland. I am the Chief Revenue Officer of Swiftly. I've been in advertising my entire career, um, and then the last 15 in retail media specifically. So I was lucky enough to join Amazon in the early, early days of advertising, when we had a couple hundred employees to when I left, we were above $30 billion and thousands and thousands of people. So pretty wild growth. And when I left, I thought a lot of other retail sector, sectors were right behind us, you know, maybe a year or two back. But every day, I'm convinced that people are 10 years back from where we were. Yep. So it's, a, I agree. it's an awesome time because every expert has the space of retail media at around $50 billion. Everyone agrees it's going to be $100 billion over the next five or six years. So yep. lots of growth and opportunity ahead. Small company uh, that I met with last weekend. I was at another pharmacy conference in Dallas uh, called Pharmacy to Door and how uh, they are helping the community independent pharmacies leverage their website and their front end to capture other things that the customer that knows them in their community may not be able to find somewhere else, but trying to keep their attention tied into products and making e-commerce extremely, um, not only visible, but easy to use. Tell our listeners about Swiftly's impact to the uh, micro-chain grocery store and chain pharmacy market, because when I read your press release, very interesting. 
Yeah, it's exactly the core competency of Swiftly. So we are helping the small and independent players be able to take advantage of the digital revolution and all things retail. So we build soup to nuts, the entire website and app for a retailer. And then we also sell retail media on their behalf. Uh, and it's, it's something that's very challenging if you know the space, e-commerce, apps, websites, it costs a lot of money to hire engineers um, and it just ends up, the math doesn't make it worth it if you're, on your, if you're under a thousand stores and a certain amount of GMV. And so there's been really positive reception and that's what we do. We, the, the data, retail media is exploding because the data is so powerful, right? If you buy an ad on Google or a social network, it's great and you can get some pretty decent reporting, but they don't know exactly what you've been purchasing over the past few months. And the best predictor of future purchase behavior remains what you bought in the past. And yep. so this growth isn't going to slow down and the small guys need help. So what's also interesting is the opportunity to become an ancillary provider of other products and services that the backend systems and analytics and predictive modeling, like you just said, know that this patient or person may need. So if you put them on a specific medication, this medication, um, be it the pharmacist flags and says, hey, uh, your vitamin D may be um, you know, impacted by this. Um, do you have a mechanism to be, hey, um, this patient from this NDC number, which tracks the drug, would a, would a swiftly system in the future, or even now, I'm not sure the the actual technology would be starts to be suggestive to the person that's logged into that system. Yeah, that's so. That's the power of retail media is the personalized closed loop reporting and data that you can provide. And the space that you're hinting at is really exciting. I think, in terms of just feeling good about what you do for work, because food is health, yep. and this whole space is uh, really changing. And you're seeing political environments where they're letting you use your insurance to buy healthy food to mm -hmm. fix something like a vitamin D deficiency. Mm -hmm. Now how you target within the pharmacy world is a whole two hour podcast <laughs> that will put your audience to sleep because there's a lot of sensitivities and rightfully so, almost every retailer is really safe about making sure we target in a way that's okay. So the space is changing and I think we're heading to a opt-in environment where you could say, uh, yes, I have diabetes. I'm okay with you recommending products that will help me get healthier. Mm -hmm. um, but each and every condition has a whole paragraph of information on what you can and can't do, and then it changes by retailer. But it's really exciting. So you can, in the pharmacy world, you could recommend other things that would be perfect for them. Just in a pharmacy, if they have grocery type products, you can start to expand it out. We have that ability today, and we do it in the, for the non-sensitive products. But like I'm saying, it's a skew by skew decision. All right, so educate our listeners based on the usage of mobile versus de desktop, because I know some of our listeners may not realize how important mobile is. Yeah, Swiftly is a mobile first company. So we focused on apps first and mobile websites. Um, but in shopping, you see desktop still has some great use cases. And the data shows that during the daytime hours, people are more likely to use a desktop. Yep. So you're, especially if you work from home, uh, where you have some privacy and you're not worried about somebody walking by your screen, that's when you might fill your pharmacy cart with your products just because the extra real estate's helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, does this conflict with something else I'm taking? I want the big imagery, I want all the content. On the go, people exponentially, obviously, more likely to use their mobile phone. Um, as you age down and demo, some consumers are mobile only. They don't even own or see yeah. the need for a non-work laptop anymore. So you really have to be great at both platforms in the uh, shopping environment. That makes sense. You know, I remember um, before the mobile phone boom, um, how 
it was the website that was the primary, and now it's definitely shifted to the mobile world. Um, you throw an iPad into the mobile, or is that still considered desktop with the bigger real estate? Great question. It, some people define tablet along with desktop, some with mobile. We consider it a mobile device. Mm, that makes sense. It probably operates on the same OS or the same. Exactly. It can get more complicated if it's an iPad versus an Android tablet <laughs> and which, which uh, browser software right. they're using, but um, mobile for us. Yep. All right, so what's next? So let's talk about the microchains. Let's talk about the smaller grocery stores. Who are the primary customer? Uh, what's the size customer that that's the is the sweet spot for Swiftly? So our sweet spot is anywhere from one store up to thousands of stores, but we really see the market is not serving somebody with five store locations or 30 store locations, and their customer wants digital tools as mm -hmm. well. And so that's where we've been performing really well with a chain like Deerberg's, if you're, if you're out in that market. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an exciting space to be in because this customer's going from potentially little to no tools to best in class tools available to them, and they end up becoming that store's best customer. Mm -hmm. This is across all the chains we serve. We see that the customers who use their app spend roughly between 20 to 35% more than somebody who's not. Incredible. All right, what about content? So I constantly am telling our community pharmacists, um, our, even our consultant pharmacists who are now doing home and house calls, uh, that, that your exposure to your markets, to your customers, to your clients, you can build additional trust and build additional stickiness based on content. So are, is Swiftly encouraging the user to also put content on their website so that you're giving your, um, your user more than just a product opportunity but also education? Yeah, you're touching on a really powerful industry challenge uh, for all things e-com, not just pharmacy, where you know as a shopper yourself, sometimes the imagery's bad, mm -hmm. sometimes the content doesn't make sense, and if it's a cereal, okay, fine. Um, if it's a medication that could kill them or yep. impact their day-to-day well-being, well, it's not so fine. And personally, as someone who uses a pharmacy, I feel like the art of the conversation with the pharmacist is lacking. And mm -hmm. I, I won't even mention my local pharmacy, but I remember when I was younger, they would always say, hey, any questions on what conflicts with what or about this medication? And it sort of seems very transactional now where they hand you the bag and you're out. So I think digital, is absolutely a place to go above and beyond and catch potential interactions or message communication about the drug that they're seeing like around adherence or what food could potentially conflict. Um, yeah, it's a chance and, and I don't think anybody's doing it really well mm -hmm. right now. So it's a huge opportunity for these smaller chains to go to just, you'll never want to go back to a big box store if you get that kind of service from a smaller chain. True. You know, this has been good uh, education for our listeners as part of the post show. However, I think you and I should get back together and dig a little deeper into Swiftly, as well as inviting um, some of our pharmacy owners and operators to a webinar to do a live presentation on Swiftly so that they can understand how to integrate this into their businesses. Yeah, I'd love to. And, you know, I think as you look at different retail sectors, um, E-com was, was first to go with, with retail media, but really it's about the in-store experience too. So in-store is catching up, whereas how do you use that app in-store, yep. not just to buy things online? And I think pharmacy is a really um, a new, exciting mover to the game, but they're definitely, I wouldn't call them a fast follower, so there's just a ton of opportunity for the whole space here to get going. I've heard of the ability to geofence your mobile app user that walks into your store and know that they're there and, and then 
you know, communicate as long as the app's open that there's a special coupon or something like that that's available. But that kind of stuff it just excites me. The whole that whole yeah. sense of geofencing. I think it's fascinating. You definitely do your homework. It's actually getting even more sophisticated with technologies from essentially the government level where you can tell which part of the shelf they're looking at. <laughs> oh no. So not only are, are they at the cold and flu medicine, but they're eyeball level at this particular brand and you could surface a, a coupon for your brand that they might not be anywhere near. Holy cow. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. And in ways that you don't have to install expensive tech in your store anymore. That's how geofencing always before was exciting, but super expensive mm -hmm. for a general manager of a store or an owner. So the math didn't work out. Now, just from the technology in your iPhone or Android, they don't need to install anything, and they can tell you exactly where you are in the parking lot <laughs> versus at the shelf, and you can surface coupons or you know, add to cart. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's very science fiction. Um, Minority Report thinking, uh, that old movie. I don't even know how old that movie is, but I'm probably showing my age and saying Such a good movie. <laughs> I think is. even when we all watched it, everybody accepted, like, this is coming. Exactly. And I. There is a way to not have it be creepy and have it be value add to the customer. Yep. Where it's, if you're looking at a clothing ad, why shouldn't it be your size or your style? So I think you're going to see this technology eliminate a lot of waste in sure. advertising, hopefully, too. I agree. Well, we'd like to have you back, Andy. I really appreciate you being here and um, looking forward to learning more about Swiftly. Ah, thanks. I hope to be back, and it was great to meet you, Todd. How did I enter the pharmacy industry? If you listen to Pharmacy Podcast Network, you've already heard this story before. So if you're a if you're a longtime listener, forgive me for telling the story again. I, I got in from the telecommunications industry, and telecom was boring to me, although it was very profitable between '96 and 2003, and then fell into pharmacy through a pharmacy management system and custom software for the long-term care pharmacy industry, and it was the very first SQL-based system sold in long-term care pharmacy, which was really interesting, called Softwriters. They're still around. So to have Josh Rossi and Deepak Borelli with us today in the studios with Chateau Incorporated, a custom software organization, this is special to me because I have a lot of questions for you. So welcome, Josh. Thank you for having us. Welcome, Deepak. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank All you. right, so custom software, that, that, there's so many listeners right now that are like, wow, that could mean just about anything. But we're in the pharmacy space. So come right out of the gate, Josh, and tell us, why did you pick the pharmacy sector? And what, it is, it, what is it about Chateau, Chateau that is, is presenting value to the pharmacy operators? And, and what is it? Like, what are you actually designing and operating on? Sure. Well, I came from the healthcare background when I joined the company about six years ago. I actually was in respiratory, and so when the opportunity came up to join the organization, um, specialty healthcare was one of our verticals because we work in a lot of different industries, and it made sense uh, to transition to that realm. So that's what brought me into essentially the specialty healthcare side, and with that, you know, with what we do, customizing solutions tailored. Uh, to so many different clients within the healthcare space, there was realized a lot of inefficiencies and better ways of doing things. And this, when you can tailor a solution tailored to your business needs, that it can allow for seamless integrations and really tailor it to what you specifically need, as opposed to maybe a module like you mentioned from an off-the-shelf product, maybe you're not using. And so it gives you that ability to be very flexible and nimble to your patients' needs. Deepak, what about? 
sectors of pharmacy. There's so many. We have our retail uh, community, chain, grocery store, long-term care, like I said, specialty. Where do you see the need right now? Where are you being pulled more so within the sectors of pharmacy? Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm Deepak, um, working in this space for close to 18 years now. Uh, but yeah, healthcare sector overall is growing, and especially in pharmacy, right, uh, everybody wants automation or even uh, quick things, so patient-focused. So I can definitely see that uh, there's a lot of need on retail pharmacy or even in long-term care uh, to have uh, better products or better customized solutions for their uh, industry, uh, and not only for using the off-the-shelf product, which may limit to them, so uh, we, I have seen uh, increasing demand in all different areas, not only in a uh, specific one, but I've seen from retail to long-term care, uh, patient engagement, patient adherence, and so on. Yeah. So talk to me about mobile, because the very first thing I think of is how much we are engaged with our phones and how pharmacy has an opportunity to engage and to kind of keep their customers coming back to them, not only for the standard prescriptions that they're on, but also the ancillary and the other products that can be kind of folded into that. So Josh, is there a, is there a rush from our pharmacy operators in the mobile space? What I've seen is they, they have a web-based application typically, and some may have mobile, some may not. Uh, I definitely think they should have a mobile application just because in our society, Everybody uses mobile applications now. The, our patience is very thin, yep. <laughs> so everyone wants wants it wants the information immediately. Uh, I, I've seen it's kind of a 50-50 split. If they don't have a web application, they're looking to develop a mobile application. At that same time, whether they're going to do it in-house or use a, a firm like us, they got a budget for it and they got to you know have a plan and. What I find is companies that are more proactive and, and budgeting for that, if they don't have it and realize it's a need and they want to get going, the, those are the ones that are, I, I like to say, probably going to thrive a little bit more just because of the options and really tailoring it to what society today is accustomed to. Yep. So the very first thing I think of when we're here at the NACDS Total, Sport, Total Store Expo, when you say the word software to me, I nerd out, I start thinking with my imagination of what the possibilities are. I immediately want to talk about artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence is going to be preemptive with a lot of our um, patient to doctor to pharmacist relationships and how it can actually fill in gaps as well as even keep people adherent by making suggestions through either their mobile or maybe their voice uh, device like an Alexa or something like that. Talk to us about that, because that excites me. Is, is there any working with, um, with artificial intelligence through Shape 2? Sure. Uh, so we do a lot of work, um, uh, custom work in artificial intelligence, uh, in uh, pharmacy and also in uh, healthcare in general. Uh, but um, uh, we have been developing different softwares uh, which basically are using machine learning or deep learning to uh, go through complex patient data quickly and identifying patterns and uh, doing customized help to the patients, right? Not only like generic help, it's more about, more about okay, this is what you can do, this is the education material you can refer, this is your prescription, this is how you can do it. So it's not only uh, helping them out, but also they can, it's more education we're giving them. And also in long term, it's going to help 
the patient engagement and also it's going to help on the pharmacy side for like inventory management, optimization, cost reduction, reducing waste. So basically it's uh, on both the sides, patient care plus financial benefits to the pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. What about digital therapeutics? Because I think of disease state management and I know that there's going to be more and more apps that are going to be out there as prescriptions by the physician and then how that's going to tap into the pharmacy management system and pulling that data back for the pharmacist to really do some proactive regulating on that specific condition. Talk to me about digital therapeutics, uh, Josh. Is there anything in your in your work right now or anything that you can share that isn't top, uh, top secret? Uh, well. I wouldn't say top secret. Every every customer that comes with is different, but but the good thing about tailoring a, a solution and utilizing AI, um, for example, a chatbot or virtual assistants, what that allows is it frees up the pharmacist's time. It also allows the patient to engage and provide information to that pharmacist to better create a personalized plan, which then can allow physicians to have a proactive approach, knowing information up front or maybe sooner to give a, therapy, a therapeutic um, option to tailor to that, say, disease state or to illness. Um, as far as, it, and when Deepak was mentioning um, the AI solutions in the industry and natural language processing, and he did mention inventory management and pricing strategies. So within the operations, the treatments, it really can be leveraged in you know, a 360, 360 fold, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, but as far as anything top secret, I mean, you know, everyone wants the new Chat GPT. Yeah. They want to use the, they want they. That's the the next big thing. And so, you know, we do have those resources that can take, that can tap in and leverage whether it's the open source uh, APIs uh, tailored to their business, whether it's in medical, you know, medical or retail or agriculture. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it, I always say it's always up to the client and the customer uh, on what they're looking to achieve and how they want to leverage AI for their business. You know, I don't have enough time today because of, uh, just this being part of the post show for NACDS, but I want to have you guys back. It's fascinating because I know so many pharmacists that are leaning much more into technology to differentiate them in their markets and how something that they want to customize could really become um, a feather in their cap for their community, but also as a competitive advantage. Sure. And I'm sure that you guys are open to working with anybody. To, uh, give a shout out to your website so if someone's listening right now, they can actually reach out to you and your team. Sure, uh, our website is www.shetu.com and uh, my direct contact is Josh R at shay2.com. You can shoot me an email uh, or come to our website and check out all the uh, fascinating things we do as a company because uh, you know we're just scratching the surface of AI and it's here to stay. If you're not leveraging it for your business, um, you know, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> Deepak and, uh, and Josh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being part of the post show and hope to uh, talk with you guys soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, this is Mark Essenza, CEO and President of Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Independent Pharmacy Cooperative is an extremely vital and important group for the survival 
And I want to change that word. I want to say thriving community, uh, independent community pharmacies. However, there are microchains, there are organizations that are growing, including independently owned microchains that will also tap into um, IPC. And, um, and being part of the NACDS uh, Total Store Expo here this year in San Diego, uh, Mark, it's so good to have you back. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always good to see you since our last uh, our last podcast. It's great to be back. Thank exactly, you. and it was it was over Zoom, so I like being in front of people because it gives you just a little bit different dynamic when you can be in front of somebody. Absolutely. Shout out to Bruce Nealon with Pharmacy Crossroads of featuring IPC and having you and some of your. Um, executives on really describing some of the benefits as well as some of the investment that IPC has is making to continue to empower our community pharmacies. That's kind of what I want to talk to you about today, Mark. Yeah. Um, your role um, is is really a forward-thinking CEO, someone running an organization. I feel like you are in the trenches. Every time I turn around, I see you at a pharmacy conference. I feel like that your you, your member can can actually communicate with you. And it's not like you're one, you know, it's not like you've put yourself away from the most important people in our ecosystem, which is our pharmacists and pharmacy owners. So tell um, our listeners about IPC's mission and, and being here at NECDS. So we're uh, we're cooperative out of Madison, Wisconsin, member owned, and we have 2,100 pharmacies uh, that are part of our network under our GPO agreement with our sole source uh, third party vendor uh, for pharmaceuticals. And what we essentially do is we, there's a couple of roles of a GPO. One is aggregation, certainly of volume and to drive value in your purchasing side. That's the, the kind of the tenant of the table stakes, if you want to call mm -hmm. it for a GPO. But what, what we've been finding over the years and where our mission is, is to, as you've heard me say this before in our last podcast, is to future-proof independent pharmacy through all the headwinds that are continue to come at us, whether it's you know, DIR, clawbacks, if it's DSCSA, if it's you know, an evolving market of being able to go in a low-end reimbursement of market, how do you find other streams of revenue? So what we've had to do is evolve outside of getting your, your aggregated contracts for your greeting cards and your pharmaceuticals and your other things and stuff that you use in an independent pharmacy to more or less looking at what are the challenges and the opportunities that are in this new environment in order to make our, our members successful that other parties necessarily can't do because they have a channel conflict. Mm -hmm. So they, won't, they can't play in that space, which may be, uh, for instance, if you have a primary wholesaler that can't do stuff in the doctor space because they have channel conflict potentially with hospitals and doctors and all that. So you have to have uh, an ability to go out, find these particular niches that pharmacists need but can't be done and serviced by other groups and then consolidating that all into a simple and easy solution. So as you know, we, we launched uh, IPC Digital Health uh, a couple of months ago. Ashton Maraba is the president of that division for mm -hmm. us. And our forward vision is to how do we allow independent pharmacies uh, to essentially compete and have the same offerings and customer experience and healthcare impact that a large chain does that has much more resources and ability to be nimble because of centralization and, and common platforms. So that's really what we're working on um, is to provide tools and services to independent pharmacy and our members in order to allow them to play in spaces such as teledoc, tele, telepharmacy for consultations, remote patient monitoring, uh, at-home testing with CLIA labs in the background, um, transportation, uh, a discount card mm -hmm. uh, to be able to compete with you know, the good RXs of the world or the, or the 
Amazon passes of the world, how do we play in those same spaces and to be very creative as to using all the resources that we have and our partnerships across the spectrum of the supply chain and the industry in order to make those things happen. You and I are old enough to remember the world without websites. Yes. Um, and I remember having to sell website services to Pittsburgh-based privately owned businesses and people tell me get out of their office uh, because they didn't understand what even a website was. Yeah. So hype, I mean, here we are. So how, how does IPC through your new digital health initiatives empower the e-commerce side in order to use your um, your website as a as an extension of the store, as an extension of the location, um, to to be mobile ready, to be engaging, and to uh, take advantage of e-commerce. So, w when it comes to it, 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 it's a matter of being able to have an independent pharmacy be reference back to a location that a patient can go to to get information. So mm -hmm. having a QR you know, in the pharmacy for, you present yourself at the counter, it's eight o'clock at night, your child has an earache or you have whatever, um, being able to, to access these types of things and getting into our network. It's also, and this is the 2.0 of it, it's being able to go to providers, to insurers, and being able to show what this ecosphere looks like in independent pharmacy where we have a footprint that's unique compared to a chain where we have a lot more pharmacies in underserved communities and rural communities, and being able to have the breadth and depth of a, of a 2200 store network in order to be able to get to these things. So what we're trying to do with the website is to allow a pharmacist to refer patients to the website, and then there'll also be direct marketing for that website for patients outside of that that'll then get referred back potentially uh, to the pharmacy. And it's basically putting the tools in the hands of the independents that the chains do with their current e-commerce platforms. There's really not a lot of difference between the two capabilities. Excellent, okay. So what is one of the um, encouragements? What is something that you are um, educating your um, independent pharmacy owners about um, that you'd like to share on the post show right now? I appreciate that. So the one thing that we're seeing um, between declining reimbursements that I don't anticipate to be turning around, uh, declining margins on the generic side. The economic model is still broken. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's bottoming out where it's not going to get much worse, but I don't think it's sustainable to think that you're going to uh, get back to, if you remember the 2014, 2015 days mm -hmm. where we were doing quite well as an industry. So. My message is, is that there's these opportunities that pharmacies have traditionally been using to generate uh, incremental revenue need to be enhanced with other offerings. So for instance, a lot of pharmacies in the last 10 years have gotten into 340B and that's been a very healthy and profitable thing for independent pharmacies to collaborate with their, their dish hospitals in their local areas to become a provider. The problem is, is that there are headwinds in that particular space that those revenues may begin to generate or degenerate over time. Um, so I think what we're trying to do is, all right, what are the new frontiers? So, uh, and, uh, and this is just one example, but as though in, in our current new digital platform is, is always remote patient monitoring. Mm -hmm. So if somebody needs an O2 sat, with an oximeter put on their finger and it gets uploaded to the dig our digital website and gives you the, the monitoring on that or your weight monitoring, GLP-1, whatever that, or sorry, A1C monitoring, all those types of monitorings where we're providing the hardware at the independent pharmacy, we're presenting the platform that shares the data back with the provider, 
the caregiver potentially if it's a maybe it's your uh, you know your an adult child that's taking care of an elderly and, and having that in there the information goes to the pharmacist it's all manageable in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ecosystem where it can be collaborated but managed at the pharmacy and billable at the pharmacy where all those uh, th those billable codes are in the system so you can go ahead and bill the insurance and actually get paid for these extra works you're going done it's definitely evolving out there. There's a lot of states now getting provider service and other things. We need to make sure that once these states start to fall down on provider service and, and do these other things, that we have the infrastructure in the background to take advantage of it. So I think we are winning the battle at the state level. Uh, and we continue to see, see progress there. There's a lot more to be done. But when it is, and as these states do fall, we need to have the infrastructure and the offerings and uh, the simplicity of a one-stop shop uh, for independent pharmacies because as an independent pharmacist, you're, you're constantly being bombarded by you have a DSCSA vendor and then you'll have, a, <laughs> you'll have an RPM vendor and then you'll have a, you know, some other vendor of selling all these products and services that are all important but are all disjointed and there's only so much mind share when you're running your own business right. in order to be able to um, you know, take advantage of all of them and, and having to set up these infrastructure words. We're trying to consolidate it all into one. Hey, this is where you go in order to get all these types of services. Um, it is your GPO, it is member owned. Um, so not only do you get the collaboration of the other members that are part of that infrastructure and network and the pricing structures that come along with it because we buy at scale on all these types of things. Um, it's a matter of also uh, just being able to trust that this is your company, it is, has your best interest. We have a mission statement, we have a board of directors that are independent pharmacies um, owners. Um, and so uh, there is no um, any areas of ambiguity in terms of the, the, the strategy or the efficacy of the products because that's what we do. We, you own us and we're here working on your behalf. Mark, this has been wonderful. Mark Asenza, CEO, IPC. You can learn more about IPC at ipcrx.com. Is that the right? That is correct. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, and my name or my my email, mark.essensa, uh, E-S-S-E-N-S-A, at ipcrx.com. Love to hear from any of your, uh, any of your listeners and uh, always happy to collaborate and talk to anybody in the industry. Well, thank you, and we hope to have you back soon. And I appreciate the time on your show today. Absolutely. All right, See thanks. you. Once again, we are back at the Babson Diagnostics booth here at the NACDS TSE Total Store Expo 2023. I love being here with these amazing people forwarding and changing the way you think of blood testing. I took this test. It was a little hand warmer that I put my hand on, relaxed me. I got a little pinch in my finger. That was it. I think this is absolutely brilliant. We're here with Dr. Nick Turos. You're back, we're back. Love being here, Nick. I love being here with you. NACDS is, is always a, a great show for us, and, and anytime I can be on the uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network, it's my pleasure. Well, the investments that this company has been making into taking blood testing to a whole nother level, and you're uh, saying uh, welcoming to a better way of blood testing, that's literally what you're doing. You're building us from the ground up. You've made some new investments this year, and I want you to introduce um, one of your new team members. Yeah, so, you know, this year, that's something that's different at NACDS is, is uh, a new colleague of ours, Tony Jones. He's the head of uh, provider and, and clinician relationships um, and, and really hitting the ground running, you know, getting our service in front of the physicians, helping them understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, 
how it's going to help them. But you know, Todd, I don't, I don't want to steal Tony's thunder, <laughs> right? Um, I'll let him talk about, you know, his experiences, uh, what he's bringing the BAPS and what he's done in the past, and and how that's helping us with order generation, closing gaps in cares, and and what that means bringing those things to the pharmacy. So it's not just a blood service. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a better way, right? It's it's the total care of, of, of the patients that, that we're treating and then meeting them there on their health care journey in the pharmacy. Welcome, Tony. Thank you for having me. Yes, my uh, background uh, with Quest Diagnostics for about seven years, started in the IT space for Quest Diagnostics, uh, convinced them to let me go into uh, the healthcare, you know, provider relation side of things, and then uh, uh, worked for clinical pathology laboratories for um, 11 years, which is part of Sonic Healthcare. Uh, my main role there was provider patient engagement, risk stratification, uh, population health, care gap closure. So really excited to be with Bapson and the conversations that I've had thus far. You know, the providers are very happy to have an alternative uh, solution, if you will, and what Bapson's bringing and that we're uh, bringing the future to them now in terms of what healthcare will look like. And my main focus is patient adherence. Uh, So we want to find those patients that are not going to the legacy laboratories, if you will, and being collected for whatever reason, whether it's transportation challenges, whether it's um, fear of needles, whether it's fear of blood. uh, We think we have all of those bases covered with our access points. With our solution, they do not have to see the blood if they don't want to see the blood, and they don't have to see uh, the Lancet if they don't want to see the Lancet. So we've got a lot of great opportunities here and uh, looking forward to the journey ahead. Tony, I'm wondering, when when I think of what this is going to do for patient access to blood testing, making it easier, I took the test myself, like I said, so I understand. I cannot stand giving blood. How often does someone... How how often do you put someone on a rotation to get their blood drawn in order to, I think that's kind of incorporated into your physical. Is it once every two years, once every three years? A lot of times your annual wellness exam, your your clinician uh, will order whatever test he or she feels is um, necessary for you. So it could be a full panel or it could be a specific test depending on your family history or risk to certain uh, diseases. But then you have diabetic patients that we're going to focus on that, you know, need an A1C every 90 to 180 days or need a lipid. And then who knows in the future if we get into more of the, uh, you know, microbiology and urine testing to incorporate some of that for those diabetic patients as well. But then we also want to look at men that aren't getting their PSAs, you know, annually for prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And then we also want to look at, you know, thyroid, uh, people with potential thyroid issues and or current thyroid issues to be tested maybe on an annual basis as well. I see this fitting community pharmacy. Obviously, we're here at the NACDS, so microchain, grocery store pharmacy, as long as they're, of course, real estate laid out. Something that I talked to Nick about last year, I think, was specialty pharmacy and specialty disease states. What disease state, Nick, is intensive to wanting to follow up on blood testing? What, what disease state do you think would go hand in hand with what Babson has put together? 
Yeah, and I don't think you have to go as far as a specialty to, to find it. Okay. Right? I, I think there, there's a lot of disease states we're going to be following up on. The interest that we've gotten, and a lot of the interest that has been generation is, is around diabetes. Um, not just from the pharmacies, but from the payers as well. Okay. It is, it is such a huge... Um, cost to, to our, our health systems right now um, that, that people with diabetes go unmanaged. So I, I think, you know, as you look at the diabetic programs out there and, and you can start getting some of these A1Cs in the hands of the pharmacists and, and these physicians are, are actually getting the numbers back for these patients who aren't getting tested and we start closing those gaps in care. As Tony mentioned, we start increasing those adherence rates. Um, we can better manage our patients. We can tell if their medications are working. We can tell if we need to change those medications, add medications. So I think we don't have to go too far to, to find one. Um, we've had you know payers and, and other pharmacies come back and ask us about the, the hormone replacement therapy that's really big out there. In our expansion menu, we're looking at T3, T4, estradiol, testosterone. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big opportunity uh, with our pharmacy partners and clinician partners. Um, I also believe that as we get further down the road, I know asthma is, is a big one right now with healthcare providers and thinking about how do we, how do pharmacists counsel on the things that will trigger you as an asthmatic and keep you out of the hospital or keep you out of an emergency room visit. So as we think about menu expansion, um, there's, there's really nothing that's not on the table. Um, as, as we go forward, we have some unbelievable scientists. Mm -hmm. as, as you said, you've, you've experienced the, the Better Way service, Todd, yep. and um, you know, they, they are science first. They, they want to make an impact. They want to be focusing on those specific disease states that, that are out there costing the healthcare system a ton and, and also putting people in, in positions where if they just would have gotten tested, they wouldn't have been hospitalized. If they just would have gotten tested, they wouldn't have had to go through that procedure. So we got a lot of great folks back in Austin at our laboratory that are, are committed to you know, validating other assays and continuing to grow our, our test menu as we move forward. Excellent. Well, I always appreciate being part of the Babson team at the NACDS. This has been wonderful to be part of this. This will be part of our uh, post-show. Tony, welcome to the Babson team. Thank you. And um, we'll probably see you next year. Absolutely. A special organization that's been part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network for years. A big shout out to the SureScripts team. Uh, Frank and Melanie, it's awesome to have you here at NACDS Total Store Expo 2023 here in San Diego. It's great to see both of you. Uh, it's really exciting to be with you again, Todd. Glad yeah, to see you. It's great to be here. You know, Melanie, you are a little bit of a podcaster yourself now. So share the transition of being not in front of the media and now having a microphone with you um, on an ongoing basis. Oh, on, well, on the other, I'm on the other side right now, actually, <laughs> not doing the interview, but being interviewed. That's right. Right, right? No, it's actually been quite an exciting and fun um, experience to interview so many great leaders in healthcare You're and very hear good their at experience. It. It's coming very Thank natural you. to you. I think the more that you do it, the more it helps us to really uh, simplify complex um, things that we're all part of. And SureScripts, the complexity of data, the complexity of passing information. Um, I was of the age, I'm old enough to say, 
there was no internet when I started working in my, my you know, graduating from college and going into telecommunications. It was all packet called frame relay. And frame relay was the way you got data from one place to another. Now with the internet, things are exploding. We race ahead. What's happening at SureScripts right now that we can kind of update the Pharmacy Podcast listeners with what's happening at the SureScripts site? Well, first of all, let me say, I am so old that the electric typewriter was new. <laughs> when, I, when I started practicing pharmacy, we had to make sure our labels were accurate, you know, and a yes. lot, lot of correction ribbon uh, utilized there. But, you know, thanks again for having us on, and it, it's so great to be here with you. You know, we are, are really excited about this point in the history of pharmacy. Uh, as a pharmacist myself, seeing how we really stepped up as a practice uh, during the pandemic, uh, seeing the things that we're doing new and unique, and how we're really helping healthcare heal itself as, as pharmacists. But also knowing that we're in the middle of another pandemic, if you will, or another serious, serious time, and that's the shortage of primary care providers. As you probably know from some of the statistics we published, and in almost 50% of the counties in the U.S., there's less than one primary care provider for every 1,500 patients. And that's just not primary care physicians, it's NPs, it's PAs, it's, it's anyone providing primary care, less than one for every 1,500 patients. Uh, a, a physician can't see a panel of 1,500 patients effectively. So you said, well, what are we gonna do? Well, first of all, we've proven that the pharma professional pharmacy can step up and help fill that gap. We've, we've done it during COVID. So we know that we need to step into that because it's only going to get worse. With the, the silver tsunami coming by 2030, the estimates are there'll be 72 million patients over the age of 60, or 72 million Americans over the age of 65. Right now, we're at 58 million. A lot of those folks aging into that group, and I'll be one of them, unfortunately, uh, a lot of those people aging in are also the physicians. So as they retire, it makes it uh, the gap even larger. So really, we're at a crisis situation right now with over 50% of the counties in the U.S. not having enough primary care physicians. 40% of those counties, though, have... Uh, an abundance of pharmacists that can step in and help provide that primary care service. So one of the, our big focuses is really to work to make sure that the technology is in place to allow pharmacy to participate in that community-based clinical pharmacy. And also to work with the legislatively to try to get the legislation passed across the U.S. to make it consistent so pharmacists can provide that, that practice across the whole scope of their licensure. Uh, and thirdly, we need to make sure the reimbursement policies are in place and working carefully, carefully with CMS and with the health plans to help drive that reimbursement. Because as pharmacists, we can't, we can't provide those great services without there being a compensation structure in place. Melanie, any? I'd, I'd just add to that that we just did a, a study of over 500 prescribers and pharmacists in the country to ask them how they see what's going on out there in terms of the shortage and, and burnout and that kind of thing. And we found that 73% of prescribers and over half of pharmacists are quite concerned about the level of and the shortage of primary care in their in their communities. And they're actually ready to work together to help improve access. So even the prescribers were saying that they are very interested in seeing pharmacists provide care beyond just filling prescriptions. And even 40% of prescribers said, yeah, 
you know, pharmacists should have the ability to even prescribe. Yep. So there is some readiness out there because they're all feeling the pain of not having enough primary care and, um, and, and needing more access for their patients. And that, again, to the point that Frank just made is, is why we're focused on really helping to make the workflows more streamlined and to bring technology into the puzzle so that there is time that pharmacists can spend the time once they've got the policy and the payment all together, they can spend the time providing care beyond filling prescriptions. I think of the role of the pharmacist and the expansion of the role in behavioral health specifically and how um, the psychotropics and titration and really pharmacogenomics fascinates me. I love it in the hands of a pharmacist mm -hmm. to really start to dial in to personalized and precision medicine. With that comes data, and with that comes utilization of the data in the right way into their pharmacy management systems and so on. Tell us about SureScript's innovation in data management and usage for the role of the pharmacist expanding. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's really a critical part. Uh, last year we had almost 22 billion transactions uh, within the SureScript's network. Only about 10% of those were actually e-prescriptions, by the way. It was the rest of clinical data being exchanged in different ways between physicians and pharmacists and nurses and uh, nurse practitioners. Uh, and with those data come insight that we're able to really see things that need to be provided to the pharmacist as they're expanding their practice. Uh, we know there are certain insights that they're going to uh, need as particularly as they expand what they're doing. For instance, if they're helping titrate insulin dosage for patients based on the HbA1c's, they're going to need to be able to do, you know, to see the clinical data, to see the clinical information, to make the right clinical decisions. You, you can't just provide an, a patient's entire record. It could be 200, 300 pages. What you need to do is be able to boil it down to what are those critical 20 facts that the, the, the pharmacist or the physicians really need to, to have making that care decision. And part of what we're building out in our technology platforms are the ability to pull those critical pieces together to make sure that they're looking at the part of the record they need to when they're making those clinical decisions. And I'd just add to that that today we are using our clinical direct messaging service to enable better communication back and forth between the pharmacist and the prescriber around immunizations and biosimilars and that kind of thing. Um, and we have just we're we're in the process of applying to be a QHIN. So that is our you know our looking forward to how we'll bring more information into both the pharmacy and to the prescriber. What's the conference season like for you now? Um, I think you're going to be headed to NCPA. We um, will. October. We'll be at NCPA. It's a, always a great event in October. A lot of great independent pharmacies will be there and pharmacists and small chains. Uh, a lot of the similar type meetings that we have here. I mean, this this is a great event to just get together and meet, you know, with with teams of uh, of our Shores Coast Network Alliance partners. And we really we do look at them as partners. They're they're not just customers. It's much more than that because we couldn't do what we do without the close partnership of, you know, our our, our pharmacist partners and the, and our health system partners. When I walked back to your booth last night, as we were all closing. It looked like a little family reunion there with how, how everybody was not only having fun, but the engagement of your entire team with the people in that booth seemed like, I was like, are these all employees of SureScripts? And it wasn't. It was your customers and it was people that were there. So 
I, I've always felt welcomed uh, by SureScripts. That's why I'm so uh, happy that you're part of the network. Using audio to educate pharmacists who are driving right now, um, they're jogging, they're doing something that they don't have time to maybe read something. Podcasting now reaches 155 million people in the United Amazing. States alone, not even the rest of the world. When I started, it was two million listeners in the wow. United States. Wow. So it's it it is amazing. Way. Well, I tell you what, you've done a lot to help advance that as well. You're, you know, the, the quality podcast that you put out there, you know, the real insights that you provide to, to healthcare professionals are really important. Right. Well, thank you. We continue um, to do whatever we can to advance the mission of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians and supporting them. I just want to say thank you to the SureScripts uh, team for being part of the NACDS uh, 2023 post show. And if there's ever any way for us to continue working together, you know you know how to call me. Okay. Uh, your team definitely knows how to call me. And, and we will. Great, we Todd. look forward to working hand in hand with you to continue to advance professional pharmacy. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Take care. Thank honey. you. Thanks for all you do. Hey, I just learned about a company called Order Insight. This is very interesting to me because I have a technology background. I understand technology and pharmacy and how crucial it is now more than ever, especially with all the transformation of the role of our pharmacists and our technicians. I am excited to welcome George Lazenby to the show. It's so fun to have you here, George, as well as your support for the post show here at NECDS Total Store Expo 2023. Well, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to all your listeners. Absolutely. So let's kick it right off into the Order Insight um, world. Tell us, tell our listeners, what is Order Insight? Well, Order Insight is a software application that helps our customers optimize their inventory. So we focus on uh, prescription drug inventory. We really have three areas of focus. Uh, optimization of your on-hand quantities through forecasting and store transfer recommendations and return recommendations, um, compliance, so we go from um, diversion alerts to DSCSA repositories, yeah. and we have um, opioid monitoring system called Guardian, um, and then finally intelligent purchasing. So that, that, that suite of applications is really helping our customers uh, get the optimal cost of sale for what they're purchasing on the prescription drug side within their contracted suppliers. Okay. Yeah, so. And and I assume it flows from one location to the next so that the data is all sucked up to one place so exactly. that someone in management can really understand what's going on. Yeah, you can get, you have an enterprise view of your entire chain um, or we do have some um, affiliated groups that want to see how all the stores are performing. So it really doesn't matter what pharmacy system you're on. We provide integrations and we become, you know, a, a data warehouse and an, an analytics uh, provider. So I read a blog that you recently authored and it was titled Future Proof Your Pharmacy for a Potential Recession. Let's give our listeners, if they haven't, li if they haven't read that, we will share the link to this blog throughout social media as well as our show notes. But Tell them what you were getting at with regards to the opening of it, which said, is there a recession in 2023 and is your pharmacy ready? Well, I mean, I think that we all understand in times of recession, you got to tighten your belt. Uh, but the key to understanding how to do that effectively and not kill your business is to understand where you actually stand, where you are uh, with your 
where you put the most money. I mean, aside from your people, uh, your prescription drug inventory is your largest spend. Yeah. And so let's make sure that we're seeing how it performs, it turning properly, you're prepared for what's going to come. Because in healthcare, recession can be different, right? I mean, uh, we see, uh, through my history in the marketplace, we see a lot of trends that uh, don't necessarily make sense. I mean, as uh, economic pressure hits a broader population, illness typically and stress go up. Mm -hmm. So it can affect your pharmacy. The front store may see a declining you know, revenues while the back of the office back there where the, all the pharmacists are are going to see increased volume. So let's get a handle on that. Let's be prepared for those things. And that's what our tool does. It provides that visibility. Before we started the interview, you were talking about independent community pharmacy. That's a sweet spot for me. It always has been. When I say independence, I also mean the independent long-term care pharmacy owners, the independent specialty pharmacy owners, the independent compound you know, or mixed pharmacies. Tell us about how Order Insight got started into community pharmacy and then also um, your representation of our, um, our chain pharmacies as well. Yeah, so um, when we originally uh, conceived Order Insight in 2014 and before you launched it, uh, we had a goal of uh, sort of leveling the playing field uh, for uh, community pharmacies as a part of our mission as a company. And what that means to me is that um, the community pharmacies has have every need for technology and innovation and automation mm -hmm. that the larger chains do, but they're, they are, uh, let's just say they don't have the resources on mm -hmm. the technology side to, to, to build analytics. They don't have teams of people analyzing their data. So what we wanted to do with Order Insight is create a cloud-based application where we gave our customers input and create almost a network effect so they all benefit from the, from the thoughts and, and ideas of the others, including the larger chains. Um, so it was an easy way using the cloud to implement a very sophisticated solution to sort of bridge that gap. So, so we all know that in November of 2023 come some changes in DSCSA. That's a confusing concept to me, even though after an interview with NABP, NABP's um, Josh Brolin, and he, you know, he was wonderful, but that can be stressful for a pharmacy operator or owner. How does um, Order Insights inventory management and compliance side of the tech kind of play into what's happening in November? Yeah, so there's, there are two things I think of when I think of DSCSA. Um, the, the first is the serialization data and, and what is there an ROI for it? A lot of these you know, compliance-oriented things are only offer a true cost to mm -hmm. the pharmacy, an additional cost, which is the least, <laughs> the least likely thing that they need, right? So, and then the other part of it is, um, um, you know, uh, tighter controls over... Um, the, you know, it's intended anyway to reduce um, counterfeit drugs in the market. So give you, uh, give the, or, the entity, I guess, our, our ecosystem as a whole, a better sense of the materials that are going out to the patient. So what, what we do, because we manage inventory, um, we're trying to figure out ways to make DSA, DSCSA positive for our pharmacies. A good example is recalls. Okay. You know, today you get a recall notice and you have to go blast out to your pharmacy and go to the shelves to see if you have it. In the future, with serialization, 
you know, a system like ours is going to know whether the pharmacy has that particular lot, you know, of a drug on the shelf or not. So if, if there's 20 pharmacies in your chain and 17 of them don't have the drug, let's not cause them to go to the shelf. You know, the three that do, let's tell them, here specifically, go get those drugs off your shelf. This is when you bought them. This is mm -hmm. how much you have. That, that kind of thing. So tell me, how does Order Insight play into the pharmacy management software systems? Do you have APIs to specific systems, and how does that work? Yeah, we, in order to do what we do, we have to have integration with the pharmacy system. And we're integrated virtually all the systems out there. And um, if we're not, um, we gain a new customer. We contact that vendor and make the integration. Um, and uh, we have the benefit of using current technology in our applications mm -hmm. so we can handle integrations any number of ways. You know, if you're tech savvy, you know what web services and APIs or flat files, you know all those things and we can handle all of it. Excellent, excellent. So 7,000 plus pharmacies using Order Insight today, retail, health system, and especially pharmacies. What can you tell us about the retail side of things? What What's changing that Order Insight uh, places before its user as an advantage? Well, a lot of things are changing in the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the sort of the big uh, topic these days, aside from DSS, CSA compliance and opioid monitoring are shortages and outages yep. of drugs. And so when you, <clears throat> how we help is if you, uh, we provide visibility into those things and we help our customers understand the impact um, and we give them opportunities to purchase you know, those drugs through our intelligent purchasing decisions so it reduces the likelihood that an outage will affect them. You know, we're, we're not immune from it mm -hmm. and our customers aren't immune from it, but it does, if you have more visibility and a view into the demand uh, criteria of each of your drugs, you're going to be in a better position to understand uh, what you need to do in the event of a shortage. So I think of the NDCs that's part of this. Um, it's the listing of every drug that may be in inventory and you're tracking and everything. Are there other components that you're helping uh, pharmacy operators, owners to track? Is, it, is there other SKUs? Is there other information that's part of this system? Yeah, it's, it's primarily prescription drug inventory. However, we do also manage OTC, but it's usually those OTCs that are consistent with prescribing okay. uh, patterns. So it's, it, it is the OTCs that are pulled into the back, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak. Yep. I think of ancillaries. I think of... Um, disease state and conditions and medications that draw on nutri nutrients or something where um, an educated uh, tech could say as they're checking someone out, hey, um, you know, look at this vitamin E or vitamin D or whatever, especially when they have an opportunity to talk with the pharmacist. Pharmacists are becoming multifaceted. We have specialists in so many um, places in, in a long-term care a previous life that I had, we had pharmacists who did nothing but um, predictive buying for the data that they had, and this was this was years ago. So this would have been in the end of 2009 or 10. Now, now we have all of the abilities to actually do it from 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 concept of what we were doing back then. Talk to us about that intelligent buyer um, empowered by Order Insight. Yeah, so um, from a clinical perspective, you know, we're not pharmacists. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're, we help streamline and optimize our operations. So the, um, what our tools do is help the, um, automate the decisioning around where to purchase, how much to purchase, and when to purchase. 
um, so that you're always prepared to support the forecasted demand in your pharmacy. Yep. You know, the, the other things that we're beginning to work on um, in the last several years have been uh, more around providing better decision support and analytics that, that help our customers, you know, control their inventory in a better way. You know, so in the, in the purchasing side, that's uh, generic, uh, generic compliance ratio, so GCR analytics. So our tools can now optimize a pharmacy's GCR um, and then through advanced business rules, um, monitor and, and uh, affect the purchasing behavior of a store so that you're keeping your GCR where it needs to be to optimize your cost of sales. In the compliance area, we focused a lot of analytics um, around opioid monitoring. Mm -hmm. So we work with DEA experts and we have tools that, um, that identify at a uh, patient level, a prescriber level, a store level, those red flags you know, that the DEA is going to be interested in if they show up. And again, this goes back to what you had asked me before, is what are we doing to help the community pharmacy? If you think about a community pharmacist today, they're so busy. Mm -hmm. You know, all they're doing is filling scripts, and they're just trying to figure out how they're going to get reimbursed for those scripts. They don't have time to sit back and design analytics that support what the DEA is requiring. So our tool, as a function of the integration, provides all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it allows them to, to have comfort in the fact that they're monitoring their store's behavior and they can step in and intervene uh, prior to a government agent walking in the door and doing the same thing. Talk to me about training as well. Um, implementation of the Order Insight system. How long is the average customer becoming um, fluid in using the system? Yeah, so um, we have... Um, there's no one-size-fits-all for pharmacy. And so our training approach is uh, we design a training uh, process that fits how you work, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's after-hours videos, whether it's physical documentation, um, whether it's FAQs that are available on the website, whether it's webinar training series. We do all of that for our customers. And what we try to do is tailor them to be specific to that store's operation because even though you've got you know, 50 pharmacies that are on Pioneer RX system, uh, which is an excellent uh, software system, they can all be configured a little differently. Mm -hmm. So the training um, has to be supportive of those nuances. All right, let's shift to reporting. Um, tell me about some of the reports that really give vision to the operator uh, month after month that is, um, that is championed by Order Insight. Sure. So. We have all of the inventory performance metrics in our, you know, what are your turns, what are uh, drug movement trends, um, all those things. But where we, where our customers get a lot of value are reports that help them take action. So uh, we have analytics that identify returnable overstock that's saleable. So, you know, here are the 15 things that, that, that are on your shelves today where demand is not present and you need to return it to your wholesaler and get the credit while you can. You know, we, and this is especially important in the high dollar, low volume drugs. You know, you got three patients on a very expensive therapy. Um, you order the drug anticipating those patients uh, to come in. Two of them don't. Yep. Then you need an alert that says, hey, send it back. Um, because you don't want that $1,500 tied up in your inventory when you could be using it to buy something more productive for your pharmacy. So that's one area. 
um, that we see a lot of value in for our customers. How about 340B? There are a lot of pharmacies out there that are qualified to manage um, prescriptions for people that are candidate for 340B in their communities. How, do, how does that work in yeah, separation? The, yeah, the big challenge with uh, 340B are the unsolicited shipments. You okay. know, so you get replenishment that comes in that you weren't expecting from the covered <laughs> yeah. entity. You've already purchased that item, so now your inventory is swollen. So what we do is integrate with the 340B processors. And when you place an order, if an item is about to be replenished from 340B, we're aware of that. And we just simply take that item out of the order and say, hey, don't nice. buy it. It's coming tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. All right. So the expansion of um, digital storefronts is becoming big in community pharmacy, where a community um, pharmacy will have their website set up with a e-commerce front end on it. And really, sometimes it's just a, a pass-through. Is there any order insight um, tie-in to the world of e-commerce to combine a virtual inventory with a real inventory? Well, not not so much. I mean, we again we're focused primarily on the back office. You know, we're um, doing things to optimize that inventory for our customers, so that as the trends in their business change, yep. our algorithms are identifying those trends. So you're not having to think about it and go make the changes in your own system. So you're keeping up with it. What keeps your customers that are worried about? Um, management of inventory, management of compliance, uh, what keeps them up at night that really um, is, a, is one of the best factors of the order insight systems? You know, I think um, inventory is all about uh, working capital. Mm -hmm. So how much money do I have in my inventory and is that productive? Um, and so our tools uh, quickly identify um, if you have too much, inventory and let's return it if you have too little inventory let's beef up your stuff but you don't but there's no action that's needed by the once we're set up the system is automatically doing that you know so that you're not spending hours each night you know going to the shelf and trying to figure out what drugs to buy and how much to buy the system's doing it for you yep George, this has been wonderful. I think that there's going to be other um, questions that could come from the audience that we'd like to definitely field and push through you through maybe social media or even another follow-up interview. But um, I want to say thank you to Order Insight for the support that you've given us here in covering the NACDS uh, Total Store Expo. And um, thank you for being part of this. No, I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'm, I'm honored to be interviewed. <laughs> you know, it's humbling to sit up and be able to uh, talk about my, our company and talk about the things that we do. You know, we, the, one of the two of the core tenets of our business have been from the beginning. We want to lead the industry in customer service and we want to lead the industry in innovation. And so we're very aggressive with our customers on trying to understand what their problems are. So if you've seen Order Insight two years ago, you haven't seen it. <laughs> you know, we're constantly evolving the capability. We're constantly addressing new problems and challenges. And it's nice to, you know, to be a part of uh, this community. You know, so, uh, healthcare offers many challenges, which are great opportunities uh, for, for um, innovation. Absolutely. And so that's what we're focused on. If you're listening and interested, please reach out to the team at Order Insight. Go to get orderinsight.com. Once again, that's getorderinsight.com. A shout out to George and the team over at Order Insight. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. Thank you. It's been great.
And in wrapping up our NACDS Total Store Expo 2023 here in San Diego, I am honored. It is exciting to have Steve Anderson with NACDS on with us. Steve, thanks for being part of the show. Well, Todd, we're delighted to have you here. Adds a great value to uh, everybody here. I'm so excited. I tell you what, we reach 120,000 listeners every month, a collection of pharmacists in specialty, community, rare disease state, community in their grocery store or microchains. Um, these are sometimes the only healthcare services that a community has. And that's why NACDS, I think, is important to us in our publication, is reaching out to those experts and innovators in our chain and microchain pharmacies. So first of all, tell us about the future of, of chain retail from NACDS's point of view. Well, I think the future is really bright, and um, that's what we're talking about at this meeting. Uh, we are celebrating our 90th anniversary yes. as an association, Happy anniversary. which is pretty exciting. I guess maybe we're planning the next 90 <laughs> uh, moving forward. But, uh, you know, it's really interesting the transition that pharmacy has taken place um, since we were founded in, you know, 19, what, you know, uh, to the to, what is it? 1940 was it something. No, 1933 or 1933. something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And math was never my forte. <laughs> Probably either. could never have been a pharmacist. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's fascinating. You know, in the depths of the of the depression, and you know, you look at where we are now, coming out of the pandemic. I mean, that was in the slog of the depression when the whole economic system collapsed, yep. and then you fast forward to 2020, 21, 22, um, for the pandemic. And, you know, this was, from my perspective, um, the mission of our generation facing the greatest healthcare crisis in a generation, a hundred years at least, probably more than a generation. And what our member companies and pharmacy generally did, you know, we've given, as you know, probably about 305 million uh, COVID shots in the pharmacy setting. But how do we, we were focusing at that time, not only just changing every federal and state law and getting, you know, we now have 11, you know, the declarations under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, but what was next? Um, so we launched this NECDS 2023 initiative uh, to really focus on, on what the future of pharmacy was going to be. And, you know, I think of it as Pharmacy Plus. We're protecting our core, still working on those existential issues like PBM reform and other things, yep. you know, um, the immediate threats. But what's the future going to look like? And as we take this and go from what we have always said for about the last 15 years, that pharmacies are the face of neighborhood healthcare. Yes. But the pharmacies are now going to be the face of, of health and wellness. And it makes uh, for great opportunities with so-called non-traditional allies. So at this meeting, at the speech I gave today, I made an announcement that we were um, entering into an unprecedented uh, relationship um, between NECDS, the American Cancer uh, Society, and the American Heart Association, and Tufts University Food as Medicine program. And this is very exciting because we're going to be able to work with these allies to really work with these organizations to, you know, help, you know, uh, find cancer before it gets too serious, yep. you know, help people with diabetes that are overweight. You know, we have people, what, 300,000 um, people, 300,000 people die every year, you know, from, you know, um, 
uh, from you know chronic diseases, yep. you know, and it's a very serious issue. And we've got you know, at 54% of the young people have pre-diabetes. Yep. So that's kind of the future. But there's all, a lot of other things that we could talk about, you know, in terms of what's going to happen with technology yep. moving forward. Yep. What, what excites me, Steve, is the fact that our publics, our giant eagles, our, um, our grocery stores, for example, have become integrated into nutrition as well as um, pharmacy and pharmacological, the blending of integrative medicine. NACDS has recognized that. You've, been, you've really empowered that. And having the relationships with the other associations that are focused on diabetes or heart health and heart wellness it kind of changes the game where we know we're going to get the public to look at their pharmacy a little differently than they used to. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer a transaction relationship where it's just get your prescription and go. It's let me, let me sit down with this pharmacist, let me sit down with my pharmacy technician that may also be able to be a conduit of, of suggestion, and let me make sure that this is in line with the long-term health care of myself but also my family, and integrating that into what the chains can tie into, I think is very powerful. Well, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, one of the big issues we're working on with these groups uh, is a new program. It's a public awareness co program called Nourish My Health. Nourish My Health. Uh, Nourish My Health. And you know, as you know very well, that our membership at NECDS consists of the drugstores, uh, the food and grocery stores, yep. and um, the uh, mass merchants, and the commonality is that they all have pharmacies. Uh, but it's really exciting what we're doing, and it was really interesting. We were at this trade show last year, and we were talking at a board meeting that we had at the show about this NECDS 2023 initiative, and uh, we decided at that point, in about three weeks after our trade show, uh, the Biden administration was going to hel hold their White House conference on, uh, on hunger, nutrition, and health. And we decided this is a perfect platform for us to make commitments to the White House in terms of what we were going to do. So we did that. We put it together very rapidly. And it was very well received by you know, folks from the White House. Um, Judy Monroe, who uh, runs the Centers for Disease Control Foundation, who we've got a great relationship with, and others. And they really understood that based on what our members did in COVID, they could do so much mm -hmm. more. I mean, we've always known yep. that pharmacists can do more than just simply put pills in bottles and engaged in, in, um, in other pharmacy services. Uh, but the American people really never really realized that until they actually went in their, uh, one of our member company stores and got their COVID shots yep. and realized that they could get their other you know shots there and uh, and other things that we could do. So it's really very exciting. And we're also working with the Milken Institute, which is like a, a very prestigious organization, mm -hmm. on some other issues as well as part of food as medicine. So it's 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 really exciting this whole uh, issue we have. And this is such an interesting time for healthcare. Um, you know, what, what struck me um, probably on uh, June 23rd, there was a New York Times magazine piece. And the headline was, we are probably in the golden age of medicine. Mm -hmm. And they had Nobel laureates, they had innovators, they had researchers, and they were using, you know, words like this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know amazing, astonishing, yep. um, and these people don't, you know, they're researchers and you know, they're scientists and yep. they don't engage in a lot of puffery, 
but they said this is going to be the golden age of medicine. And the question is, how is pharmacy going to play a role in this? So what's the store going to look like in the future? Yep. Um, and that's what we're all looking at. And uh, I think it's a very, I think it's probably one of the more exciting times in pharmacy. Probably in it is. Industry. I've seen your members tackle behavioral health. Mm -hmm. I've seen your members now including sexual health mm -hmm. and education. Mm -hmm. I've seen them um, take a hold of the mysteriousness of CBD and how to use it properly. And it always comes back to that provider who really can understand all facets of what that person or what, what the people are going through in order to slow things down a little bit and then really harness education fused with medication, follow through, partnerships with your physician. I want to talk about technology because I'm a nerd yeah. and I love technology. So what digital tools most excite you um, with with think about digital tech in the hands of our pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, where does digital therapeutics and digital health fit into chain pharmacy? Uh, I think it's, um, and, you know, once again, we do policy, you know, we don't yep. tell our member companies how to run their right. companies because we probably wouldn't be very good at the <laughs> operational side of things, And uh, but they, they're very helpful to us on on the policy issues we work on. But there, there's so much going on now in terms of central fill and robotics and Anything that can free up the pharmacist to provide those services, yep. that is where I think the, at least I think the short-term uh, aspect of this uh, is going to go. And I think that's an exciting time that, you know, we could, we're finally getting to that and from, from what my, I think it's an inflection point mm -hmm. that we're really coming very close to. And, you know, it, it, there's so much excitement going around where, you know, I mentioned that New York Times article, these, these innovators and scientists and those, these Nobel laureates said, you know, we might be able to, you know, stop, you know find solutions for HIV, mm -hmm. RSV, um, you know, cancer, Alzheimer's, even blindness yes. in terms of what can happen and, and the exciting parts of that, you know, our uh, mRNA vaccines, mm -hmm. you know, those types of technologies. And I think, you know, it's quite the buzzword these days, artificial intelligence, and I right. probably have that. Everybody you interview is talking about. Yes. But, you know, the role that machine learning is going to be playing in biomedical research is going to be, I think, one of the more positive aspects of uh, machine learning or, mm -hmm. or artificial intelligence. And that's the exciting thing. And how that certain drug therapies can be so tailored, you know, as we expand our knowledge and really the utilization of the human genome pro yeah. project, uh, project. I mean, it's, it's, it's about as exciting as it can be. And it's, it's gonna be, a, it's a good time. And the great thing you can do with an association. I've been involved in associations throughout my entire career. This is the third one I've had the opportunity to be president and CEO of. Is it's, it's where a group of people can come together with like minds in a profession yep. um, or in a, in a, with a trade association within an industry where they can be part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. And from my perspective, I don't think there's any entity on the planet that can change entire industries better than associations, yep. where people, a group of competitors can come together yep. and find solutions to some of the most intractable problems that that industry or the, that profession might, might face. And, you know, that's what I call, you know, there's the power of associations, yes. where, you know, the, the entities, 
but it's that power of association, of being associated, to be a member of um, APHA or NCPA or NECDS, yes. where you can reach those common issues in terms to help our members with their operations and do things. And you know, the, we didn't. You know, I, uh, Secretary Azar in the Trump administration put me on uh, the COVID-19. Uh, consultation panel, and it, the mission was to develop and deploy the vaccine. Well, we weren't doing the development, those would be the pharma <laughs> yeah. companies, but we were a major part of, of the deployment of that. And, you know, when you have the President of the United States um, addressing a joint session of, con of Congress, which, you know, President Biden yeah. did, and he's saying that, you know, 90% of American people live within five miles of a pharmacy, right. you know, one of our talking points. Exactly. And they really did need us. And, you know, we worked with the Operation Warp Speed in the Trump administration, but, you know, we were very helpful to the incoming administration setting up the federal retail pharmacy program. Yep. And, you know, it was really interesting from that perspective, because you'll remember that um, when uh, Joe Biden got elected before he was uh, uh, sworn in, he wanted to do 100 shots in 100 days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, when the vaccines became available, he was sending out to the governors and they were setting up these immunization sites like Fenway Park and making right. elderly people stand outside getting their shots. And we said, give us the vaccine. Yes. We can do this more effectively, more efficiently. And we modeled it. We modeled it in any CDS in an all-nighter one night, and we realized we could do 100 million shots in 30 days. That is cool. And that's when the vaccines became available to pharmacies. And see, that's the kind of innovation that, you know, that drives what we need to do. And I tell you what, there's, I've never met anybody in the pharmacy industry or the profession that said, I want to do less, <laughs> right? True. They want, to do, they want to do more. They, they do. always want to step up to the I, plate. And I, want to, I want to applaud you and the NACDS for reaching out to Michael Hogue with the APHA mm -hmm. and Doug Hoy with the NCPA and Sheila Arquette with the NASP. Mm -hmm. The fact that you, uh, Chad Wars over at the ASCP that focuses on seniors, you've all come together. I've seen the associations work together now more so than when I, I entered pharmacy almost 20, over 20 years ago. And this collaboration, I call it hashtag TogetherRx, mm -hmm. and and I I think that there, that's a, goes back to what you're saying. It's very mission driven. Yeah. Competitors can come together, associations can come together, and forward public health and wellness. Absolutely, there's no limit to what you can achieve if you don't mind who gets the credit. Right, right, <laughs> right. you know, and you know, I've been doing association work for a long time, and you'll. A group I ran, but you watch these associations and they would be competitive organizations and have the same members, and that's why they were competition. Mm -hmm. They were always trying to outdo themselves. And you know, when I, I, you know, I've been on Capitol Hill working in one capacity or another for over 40 years, mm -hmm. and you know, when you have a group such as an NCPA and an NECES, when you get together and say, this is what we want, this is what we need, you generally get it. If we're at odds, the lawmakers will tell you, go figure it out yourself and then right. come back. We're not going to do anything for you. True. And I mean, just a great il illustration of the environment is we're in right now on a PBM reform. Yes. You know, not only at the federal level, but at the state level. Yes. And that is a pure uh, collaborative and collective uh, effort uh, by all of these associations yeah. that we're all on the same page. We're all saying the same thing. 
and we're getting some really positive results. Yep. Yeah, using tax dollars to really infuse health care into communities instead of it going to so much of the um, gross levels of profit that really didn't make any sense. And then now the transparency that's being demanded mm -hmm. um, from all of the associations and now Congress, the politicians, are paying attention because it's their constituents who are saying, now I understand this, how this affects my health. Yeah. So we are at that turning point. I liked your word inflection point because I think that pharmacists, if I'm a pharmacist right now, if I'm a P4 and I'm getting ready to take my Naplex, it, this is the time to be a pharmacist because you can pioneer the next thing. Mm -hmm. We have pharmacists now doing things they've never done before. They're doing healthcare coaching. Uh, they're doing nutrigenomics. They're diving into the genome and how to take pharmacogenomics and figure out titration and figure out efficacy. And there's so much opportunity. Digital therapeutics are coming to the market of being able to really measure outcomes and be able to see the data of what that patient is going through. And just wrapping up our interview, if you could make a change overnight to our pharmacy profession, what would you say is most important uh, modification to help pharmacy evolve and care for pa patients better? Two words, provider status. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're getting applauded from us, applause from our, our Well, listeners. we've had a House bill. We now have a, a Senate bill that was introduced uh, recently uh, by Senator Warner and Senator Thune. And, um, uh, and we've skinnied down the bill so it's less costly than it was before. And uh, that is what we really need right now, especially in this current environment. Well, you have helped us um, broadcast our message out through the NACDS. We so much appreciate you as a small audio publication, but I love being here. We plan on coming back next year. If there's anything that we can ever do to get message out, you have our commitment to that message, Steve, and I very much appreciate you. Well, I'd like to appreciate, I appreciate everything you've been doing because, you know, through your podcast, you know, you have spread the message uh, of pharmacy and, you know, to pharmacists and non-pharmacists. That's right. And uh, it's, a, it's a story that needs to be told. Yes. And uh, a lot of times we haven't been very good at telling that story, but, you know, um, it's a powerful message. That's our brand. You it know, is. We're here, we're here to help people and keep them healthy. Well, we are as well. There's 157 million podcast listeners in the United States now, so we want to get pharmacists in front of them. We want to get people that understand true health and wellness. But, Steve, thank you so much for your yeah. time today. Todd, great to see you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Yep.